0: Welcome to Hardcore Healing. We have a very special episode today. I have welcomed and... and, Asked to join me, writer <laughs> writer and sex worker, Yomei Rain. We met through Instagram. She is a fellow Dream Boy book club auteur. And <laughs> I read some of her writing and I was like immediately captivated, related, felt, heard, um, seen all that stuff. So I reached out and she was down to do an interview and um, I really wanted to open up the topic on this podcast of sex work. So that's sort of going to be the fulcrum of what we talk about today. I'm sure we'll talk about some other things, (laughs) Um, but yeah, welcome to hardcore healing. Thanks for doing the podcast. So tell me about your uh, first of all, I just want to hear about your writing. So is there Mm -hmm. anything like going on right now? You said dream boy book club is going to be publishing one of your recent poems
1: yeah 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 um uh I think I wrote it like two weeks ago and then Jonathan helped me edit certain like like a certain line in it um and then I think that'll be coming out in the next soon (laughs) In, in the next few soon um and yeah that's really cool I love I love everything that they do over there so always happy to get something hosted with them
0: yes he is a extraordinary person very unusual publisher and we love him for that
1: yeah books for people who don't read i love to love the tagline
0: (laughs) yeah and you're based out in new york city right
1: yeah 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 i moved back to new york a year ago um And I'm here in Brooklyn with my dog, who the listeners can't see. But if they could, they'd be going, oh, she's uh, she's great. Yes, Caitlin's doing it. (laughs) It's
0: very cute, very wholesome. She's been a good lap dog, good emotional support. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) And so where are you from originally?
1: Um, Kind of all over the place. I was, I grew up in LA and then I went to high school in New York, moved to Back to L.A., then to London, then to Paris, and now back in New York. So I've just been running around.
0: (laughs) Gotcha. Very cool places to be running all in between. Oh, yeah. So I have some questions, like, written out. We don't necessarily have to stick to them. But the one – and first of all, I do want to address, like, I am coming to this topic. We talked about this briefly on the phone um, like my experience personally, I kind of made a decision since I am like early in this 12 step process. And my big thing right now has been setting boundaries and saying no, and it's not a big yes. And <laughs> I made a decision for myself, like that I'm just, I don't want to talk about my experience today. Okay. For one, just like, I want to focus on your experience, but I do want to say for the listener, I do have some experience. It's not super in-depth. It was never a full-time career for me, but let's just say I dabbled in the (laughs) world. And I think anyone that follows me or that's here knows that already. I don't think that's a huge reveal and I'm just going to leave it at that for now. But I would, I love that it's like right on your profile. You're Mm. super open about it. You write about it. I'm going to get to that. Just the whole like stayed on the coming out process and the living out loud process. But I do want to hear just about like how you got your start in that world and whether it was something even like when you were little, it was something you ever thought about doing. Definitely,
1: yeah, definitely not. I thought I was going to be a marine biologist. So that was a quite, <laughs> I think every kid for some reason thought that at some point was like a viable career. Um, not that it isn't, it's just, I don't know why so many of us thought we would be marine biologists. Um, no, so it definitely wasn't something that I thought about or like considered doing really even, I don't even think when I started, I really understood like the implications of it, not in like a way that I was like, taken advantage of or anything just in the sense that it didn't really seem like that big of a deal to me um which is apparently as i've learned to experience not a common opinion (laughs) i I was so shocked um that that it that this was like a scandalous thing to do because it just seemed pretty natural um but no i mean i started i well i started when i was underage actually which is always like a funny thing to talk about because i feel like like giving people fodder for like the anti-sex work league, which is not at all what I'm like, want to do. Um, yeah. uh, nor do I want to be in the like pro-sex. I just want to be in the like neutral <laughs> sex work league, you know, just being like, it's just a thing that people do. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I was in, uh, I was in foster care when I was like a teenager, um, like pretty briefly, like less than a year. Um, because I, And then I ran away. And I was like, I can't stand anyone or authority or anything. I just was in a very like chaotic time in my life. Um, and I needed to work, but obviously couldn't because I was underage and there were very limited jobs that I could do. And you'd need parental consent, which I was not on good terms with my parents. Um, and so... I went on Craigslist which is like the holy grail of gigs (laughs) and I found uh, this woman who was like looking for girls to work I told her I was 19 she didn't check an ID it's an illegal job so I don't think she (laughs) felt the need to Um, and yeah and I worked for her for about eight months and then I again my issues with authority struck (laughs) and I was like I can do this by myself and then I started doing it by myself and I mean that was a smarter way to do it because I wasn't sharing money with anyone and Yeah, I mean, it wasn't like a major decision or anything like that. It was just kind of something that I stumbled into and then realized that I liked and then kept doing. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, I like that you say you want to be in a neutral position because I think that the it's something that, um, you know, it's easy to have really strong opinions about. But I think that having a strong opinion either way, it's like kind of takes away from it just being like a deeply personal decision for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't think there is a universal experience of sex. I think it's something that's so unique and individual. And there's also no universal experience when it comes to like your passion for making money. We all, <laughs> I find it hard to believe anyone likes working any job. Yeah,
1: absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I mean, yeah, I think you got to get to a certain stage of your career before you enjoy your job. Um, I don't think, yeah, any entry level position is something that someone's like, this is the best career I could have hoped for, you know? Um, I also think that like sex work is um, going back to that neutrality thing, kind of one of the only industries where the workers are expected to defend their job, like, and be like, you have to love it or else you're being oppressed. It's like, no, this ask that to anyone you know no no like lawyer or retail worker or server anything like that has ever been said oh if you don't absolutely love and feel empowered by your job then it's oppressive i mean the idea that we have to work for money is oppressive but we all have like our the right to choose how we do that um so i don't (laughs) it's there are a lot of double standards when it comes to the outside world looking into the sex industry um which is why i try to just I don't know yeah like you said stay as neutral as possible
0: yeah and I love when people say like oh you're selling your body and it's mm. like when are you not selling your doing body? doing that yeah like <laughs> if you're working for money even if you're sitting at a computer mm. you know you're you could be developing carpal tunnel you're still like chained to a desk or yeah you know, absolutely no one knows- a massage therapist I was like how is this not selling my body you know
1: um, so yeah, I think oh sorry. go ahead oh no just just on the selling your body thing I think I think I mean a lot you'll see in like a lot of girls who have like or providers who have like nice fancy websites and like they'll say I'm not selling um a service I'm selling my time um and I think that's I mean that's a legal loophole that they're trying to get through but I think there's something really interesting about that because no matter what we are selling our time and what sex work has allowed me is like the ability to really minimize the amount of time that I'm spending in like a working sphere um, versus like a 40 hour work week, which is just so unsustainable for me Um, because it doesn't, yeah, I don't know that that's kind of the thing that I felt like most identified with is because I have clients that I sleep with uh, most of them. Right. And then I have some that I don't, or we have like, fetish experience have, there's so many like as you said sexuality is like a huge spectrum um but the main thing that they're paying for is just to spend time with me and whatever we do within that time obviously they may have you know what they want to do um but it's really like an access point which i find uh quite cool <laughs> like quite cool that somebody is like i will pay you this money to even have access to spend time with you i'm like oh that's that's great (laughs) that's very nice thank you
0: (laughs) totally and I think um without like going into details about my experience we talked earlier about when I started and I was probably in my late 20 I was like 28 Mm -hmm. and I was already having all kinds of casual sex like that that was a thing I was I was single I had just gotten out of a really gnarly toxic relationship and I was like a little, not gonna lie, I was out of control. You know, <laughs> I was in all sorts of situations that weren't necessarily healthy. And transitioning into this kind of work actually gave me this structure around mm-hmm. what I was giving to other people yeah. and setting a limit, setting boundaries, and also putting value mm-hmm. on it. And that mm-hmm. might sound to some people like a low bar, but also how many people do you know that, you know, do have casual sex freely with other people that might not necessarily treat them with respect or care or mm-hmm. give them anything in return. Um, and that's not looked down upon. And I think it's such an interesting, like mental gymnastic that we do as a culture that mm. I I don't, I'll ask people this sometimes if they have like a stigma about sex work. And I'm like, can you think of another skill set that if you're really good at something and you decide to start charging for it, people respect you
1: less? Right, right, right. right. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good way to phrase that and kind of like short circuit that cognitive dissonance. no, I mean, obviously
0: not. I haven't had anyone come up with a single answer yet, you know. Maybe, like, assassin, I guess.
1: But the fact that that would be, like, even put in the same category is infuriating to me. Well, like,
0: and I do add the caveat of that does no harm. Because I'm not talking right, right. about drug dealing. And I'm not talking mm-hmm. about, you know, organized crime in any terms.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. definitely. Um Yeah.
0: And as far as the childhood thing, I do remember w- watching Secret Diary of a Call Girl when I was younger mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: being like, that seems like a cool job. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. So it was I mean, not- it isn't a lot of... Mm-hmm. Go ahead. No, I just like parrying what you said. It is isn't a lot of... It has been a really cool job in a lot of ways. And I am always hesitant to say like that I started when I was underage because of obvious reasons. Um, because... I feel like people want to pick apart that part. Um, Whereas like the thing to be attacked in me being, having been an underage sex worker is not the sex industry. It's the fact that that was the option, you know, it's like, Oh, okay. Our, you know, the state like childcare is so gnarly and awful. And, you know, like there isn't like a lot of support in this country for underprivileged youth that's more of the issue, you know, it's like, why would you be attacking the one thing that allowed me to continue to provide for myself as opposed to wonder like, why was I not being provided for? Um,
0: totally. Yeah. I think to another argument I get from people that's not even really an argument. It's just like a uh, people throw, well, you know, what about like human sex trafficking? And it's like, <laughs> that. That's like asking a pharmacist about the illegal drug trade, you know? It's yeah. Like, you're not playing in the same field. Why would he, mm. like, how am I responsible for that?
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And I, I think, I mean, every sex worker that I've met is, knows that there is like a very clear boundary between trafficking and sex work. There's not even in the same conversation, you know? There's voluntary consensual experiences between adults and there's slavery. <laughs> you know, there's there's I, I don't understand how those two things could be conflated. Um, and when you look at like laws that are criminalizing sex workers or making it harder for us to advertise in safe spaces, these are things that only make trafficking worse. You know, it's not like oh you're getting us, but you're also really fucking over the other people too, the people who need help. Um, and you know maybe girls who are people who are trafficked are not don't feel comfortable like going to the police because they're doing something illegal, even if they're being victimized, you know, there's so many reasons why, (laughs) why like pushing people into secrecy just allows like the darkest parts of our society to proliferate, but it it has nothing to do with consensual sex work. It's just very frustrating. (laughs) It's extremely frustrating. Um,
0: Yeah. Well, I want to come back to the stigma stuff, but I also Mm want to like give that, area, a little space, because I don't want it just to become, it starts to become less neutral, right? Right, um, right, right. And I do want to go back into sort of your experience. And one of the questions I had was just like, if you, like the way you work now, if mm-hmm. you could like compare it or, you know, then versus now, is mm-hmm. there a way that you conduct yourself in that profession now that you, I don't want to say wish you could tell your younger self, but just what's the comparison there, and what have you
1: learned? Hmm. I'm yeah. I, I mean, I think this is the, the differences would just be that I'm older, um, therefore I'm a lot, and also have like a lot more experience now. So it's a lot easier for me to set boundaries, um, and. My, I mean, my prices have gone up a lot just because I under, started to understand the industry more. I mean, prices in general have gone up a lot since I started, um, like, on average. Um, but it's just a lot easier for me, I think, to uh, to feel secure. And I think one thing when I first started was feeling like I had to take every job because I was, like, desperate for cash and just didn't know, like, you know, I knew that there could be slow periods there could be high periods so I felt like I always had to push myself. Um, and it this point I'm really quite selective about the people that I see um which is like a privilege of being at a higher price point than I was um but also um I think I've kind of settled into knowing that there are worse things than being broke <laughs> like there, there's, there's like there's like a feeling that I've gotten in the past about like doing something that I didn't feel like really comfortable with or knowing that something didn't feel right and going into it I've never been in like serious danger or anything but it's just about like the um Yeah. Just having like experiences where it's like that didn't feel very good. (laughs) I didn't like that. Um, and now I, I I really, I mean, I can't remember the last time I had an experience like that. Um, I think my intuition has gotten a lot better, um, both in and outside of work. Um, and yeah, just a a (laughs) a lot more comfortable telling people to fuck off (laughs) than I ever was before. Um, yeah, I think, I mean, yeah, I think it's really just a confidence difference. Um,
0: Cool. How has it changed? How's working in this field changed your relationship with men? Hmm. Or even just with masculine energy?
1: Uh that's that's an interesting question and one that I don't think I've reflected on quite a lot. Um, <laughs> um I don't I mean it definitely hasn't negatively tainted my uh my feelings toward men in any way. I think in a lot of ways it's made me realize how vulnerable men are uh, or like insecure. And I don't mean that in like a derogatory way. Um, I just mean when you get that intimate with somebody so quickly. There's something about um a hooker that it feels like uh like a priest and a confessional to people. Like they're just really open a lot of times and will just tell you like the most horrible thing that's ever happened to them or like whatever's weighing on their mind at that moment. And I really love that aspect of, of working. Um, and it, that was something. So I think like growing up, I was like really shy with guys and just really felt so um, like alienated from like, I was like, how do you talk to these alien creatures? Just, I don't get it at all. Um, and so realizing that, I mean, while I think there are, key differences in the way that men and women are socialized um the fear <laughs> that I feel like interacting with people is kind of something that is across the spectrum I think it's like really deep in my ability to empathize um with men in general which has been quite useful <laughs> um, just from a <laughs> human development perspective totally uh,
0: yeah yeah I really relate to that I shared with you I think when I When I started, and I had a very brief sort of like career in this area, and it was, I came from a place of hating men and wanting to be Mm. like, they have to pay me to spend time with me Mm. because I'm sick of being treated this certain way. Mm. And it really opened my eyes as to how I was approaching men and how what they actually wanted from me, which wasn't what I thought it was. It's not, Mm. I don't really buy, there's like this cultural thing where we grow up with the media and it's like, oh, men just only care about sex and they only care about women's bodies and using them. And I think men are taught that too. So I think there's an aspect where they maybe play that out, Mm. but it's all more to do with, we all want validation. We all Mm. want to feel seen. We all want to feel... Like we're funny, like we can make someone laugh, Mm. like we can, like we're being listened to. And Mm. it gave me this like new experience with men where first of all, you're entering a business arrangement Mm. and there was an equal playing field. I felt like they were actually, they weren't trying to like manipulate me into, or not even intentionally, but a lot of times in casual dating, men will come on The way that they're taught is to come on really strong and to sort of lead you into believing that they might be really have all these feelings towards you that they don't even have because they're Mm. trying to get that validation. But when they know that they're just sort of exchanging money for that validation, Mm. all those defenses seem to drop Mm. and they're just like, I'm really hung up on this girl or my wife left me or, you know, like Mm. whatever it is, whatever's on their minds at the time which isn't to say that obviously there's like bad experiences and, and some guys are, you know, I don't know. Um, not all men are great. Not all men are bad. Like, it's <laughs> human beings. but I had to go through that experience where I was like, Oh, like, it, yeah, it is like lifting the veil and seeing this other side of men where they can be vulnerable because they're yeah. paying for a therapeutic experience.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Which sort of
0: leads to my next question, which is, mm-hmm. What you said that you're like very empathetic. I found for myself that was an aspect where I was like, this is actually really beautiful to like go into a space and someone who feels ugly and unloved and unheard Mm -hmm. can feel that way. And there is an aspect of therapy to it, which is why it's such an ancient profession, you know? Mm -hmm. So, what qualities do you think, like, if someone was listening right now who's maybe like, I was going to say younger, but I was, I'll just say, like, not experienced, but, like, sex work curious. What qualities hmm. do you think work in in that industry? And what do you think might be some of the illusions that hmm. people think this is what a good sex worker is, but actually make it not compatible with a lifestyle?
1: Hmm. I I think that's a tricky question just because there are like, I mean, taste is so varied. I know what my clients like and I know why they uh, come to me and keep coming back to me. I mean, when they do, you know, I mean, I I know what I've been told is like different about me as a worker versus other girls that they've seen and why, you know, they prefer me specifically my client base. Um, But I also know other girls who approach the industry completely differently who have like a much different, like, way that they treat the guys that they interact with so i think it's hard to say like what will work um i think the main thing that works is like really committing to and it's hard to say like being yourself because obviously like there is an aspect of performance to sex work um but as much as much of yourself as you can bring um i think there is something like i mean people i think (laughs) as you were saying earlier like the the guys are taught that they want a certain thing. And so they may come looking for what they believe is that thing. You know, they're like, I want to have sex. I need to have an orgasm. Um, But I think a lot of people, most of the people I meet, are really looking for some sort of like intimacy and connection to feel seen. Um, And that's just like a vibe thing. That's just how two people mesh, you know. Um, So I would say like what makes a good sex worker is a person who's like able to be present with the person that they're with and to really just, you know, be open and, you know, it's <laughs> just like, I don't know, like normal, you know, I think most of the guys, um, most people who've given me feedback say that it's nice because it feels like a real date. Like I'm not, I'm very much in the like GFE, like girlfriend experience arena. Um, and that's like what's worked for me, but I can't really say what would work for every girl. I think it really depends on what her personality is and what she's able to bring um, or what she feels comfortable doing and, and acting. And you know, some, I know some girls who create like an, a whole persona that has very little to do with who they are and that feels good for them and, and guys go crazy for it because um, they're committed to their personal bit. I am not capable of that. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much Yomei in the room, except I use a different name. Um, yeah, it just depends.
0: hmm I had a question, and now I'm trying to remember it. Well, another question that comes to mind, though, is highs and lows. How – do you have any stories that come to mind? Like, people – whenever anyone finds out, like, that this is something you've done or I've done or anyone's done, I feel like their first thing is, like, do you have any good stories? And mm. I do like the funny stories. I don't necessarily mm. need to hear like, "What was your darkest moment as a singer?" <laughs> I don't need to, we don't need to go into that. Really, with anyone's job. <laughs> I <laughs> honestly. My other podcast that I did for a while, I'm gonna drag my co-host Eric because he. <laughs> he like one day at work like had a tantrum and threw a computer monitor across the room and just, like <laughs> never let him forget it. I bring it up every time we talk. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, what was your not your computer monitor throwing across the room mm. story? But just like something that was kind of like fun and quirky and just like a life experience thing.
1: Huh. Um I mean there's uh, there's so many stories. Yeah. Um the first thing that came um to mind uh (laughs) which is i mean i don't really know if this is even like a i don't really know how to answer this question so i'm just going to talk about this one guy that i saw in paris because it was hilarious um and he really wanted to be like dom like he was like i'm a dominant dude and i was like i like Okay. um and no, like but he was also so nervous about it so he was like a very nervous dom and you could tell that he was like not I mean he was trying to like fill a role that he probably saw in porn you know and I was just like I was going along with it like whatever and he had me like walk around with like a little like collar and like walk around like a dog on like all fours and it was really funny because like luckily my head was facing the ground because it was dying with laughter <laughs> like, <I was> like <laughs> this is not getting pulled off very well and I'm gonna try very very hard to make it sexy but it really just feels like I'm um like we're like I'm playing house with a four year old like <laughs> like it was such a strange moment, um, and then I went home and you know like he paid me and I went home and I drank like a bottle of wine with my best friend and like we put like gren- grenadine in our champagne which is a like, crime in France but we did it anyway and that was <laughs> it was just like a typical day you know it's just funny like I love the aspect of sex work that is so like covert sometimes like that kind of feeling like oh I have a secret even though I don't you know like everyone knows but it is cool to like walk out of a house or a hotel room and be like <laughs> like I was just walking around like a dog <laughs> and, yeah. wine. and there was something very like cute about that I don't know if, I don't know if the people listening will find that cute <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was I think very it's- cute <laughs> so in Paris it's is it legal uh it's decriminalized on the on the on the provider's standpoint brothels are not legal so like more than one girl working in a place is legal um i don't know like how like i like i know there is still like police violence against sex workers that that's mostly uh, uh girls who are working outside Um, So that would be like in parks or like there was a block that I uh, used to actually live on um, for like a month. And it was like a super hot spot for sex workers. So they would stand in front of the buildings and bring the guys up. Those girls have like a much rougher time um, because while prostitution is not illegal, um, buying is. So which also makes it like very shitty for in terms of like screening or in terms these guys are super cagey about it. And I, have never heard any stories about, you know, a guy who got, um, booked for that, but I'm sure, I'm sure that's just cause I haven't met one, you know, um, right. but, I, yeah, there definitely was like less stigma, I would say, um, like socially, um, like with my peers, but not, um, not necessarily with the state, uh, still pretty looked down upon <laughs>
0: So dipping back because you brought up stigma and I want to dip (laughs) briefly back into it, probably for the last time, because I don't want to harp on it too much. But Mm. I one of my things that drove me crazy was that still drives me crazy is I think the expectation is that a lot of the stigma is going to come from conservative, religious Mm -hmm. men in power. When yeah. indeed, like I found a lot of the stigma would come from like girls that I was friends with that were my yeah. that were hyper liberal that would be super feminist and <laughs> like, pro being a slut and doing whatever you want, but not that.
1: Yeah, yeah, so, absolutely. Well, I think yeah, it's because the conservative know. men, uh, the conservative politician men are the ones hiring us. So they don't, they don't, they don't really get to say a lot. Um, right. But um, but no, yeah, definitely. That's been my experience as well. I, I mean, when we spoke on the phone, um, I told you that I had like this friend who was a woman's studies major who was all about like ladies, liberation and all this stuff. And then she found out I was a sex worker and stopped being friends with me because she couldn't stand to watch me oppress myself. Um, just, just a very like okay rich white girl woman's studies major thank you for um not listening to a woman you know like good good job I'm, I'm so glad that the air is so fresh on your high horse um and yeah but those those have been the, i mean the main uh the uh, aggravants i guess in in my experience have always been from these super liberal people who are so like you know they're like i like you know i'm a leftist i believe in all these things but when it comes down to the nitty gritty of like an individual's ability to choose their own experience it's like a short circuit goes off they're like well i just i can't understand how you could do that i'm like well you don't have to <laughs> like that's the beautiful thing about this human experience is you don't have to understand why i would do it you just have to not treat me like shit <laughs> like that would be cool um yeah.
0: yeah like i can't relate to someone who doesn't want to conform to the gender they were born with but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean i like therefore yep. validate that experience
1: it's absolutely, it's, to absolutely. Me, it's
0: the same logic yeah um,
1: it, it is there is like this i think um i'm working on an article about this right now so it's heavy on the brain but like this like myth of understanding as like the basis for like respect and love for another person like i oh i need to understand why they did that it's like you don't need to understand understanding is a crapshoot you know it's if you if you if your task is to understand every human being on the planet before you can tolerate them like that is that's going to be there's a fucked up system man like it's nobody's asking for that you know um and that's another thing like i'm not asking for people to like no, this is not about this. But I mean, like, a lot of times people are like, oh, I have so many questions. And I'm like, I, mean, like, I don't really, I mean, I don't sit here and like ask you to explain your accounting job to me. Like, I don't care. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't care that much either. And I get that it's like a novel thing for a lot of people. So I don't really mind answering the questions. But it does feel like they're kind of waiting to like weighing things in their brain, like to see if, you know, okay, if I get the answers that will make this okay, then this relationship can continue or I won't feel bad for this person. Dude, just, just leave it alone. <laughs> it's fine. I'm fine. Look at me. It's, woo, I'm fine. <laughs>
0: right. Yeah. Which is like the interesting part with your friend where it's like, don't you think she would have noticed if at some point, if you were oppressed
1: like yeah a, you know like two sure. years into the relationship if I were if I were if I were suffering don't you think you would have noticed by now um, um crazy crazy crazy, crazy talk.
0: um so I do want to talk about too like with your writing you're obviously mm-hmm. have a lot of depth and are very articulate was that something have you always written or was that something you started later in life what's what was your writing journey
1: um, I was <laughs> this is going to be a funny funny thing to say I was writing like I started writing stories when I was super super young um, like pretty much from the time that I could formulate sentences that's where my brain went um, and then obviously like that evolved into diaries and then and, and to essays and stuff like that um, my first uh, story that I ever wrote was about a um, like kind of nymphomaniac vampire who then murdered all the men she slept with and I was like seven and my mom was like you're a great writer and I was like now looking back I'm like I think I should have gone to therapy like that's what I think we could have taken away from this thing
0: we would have been best friends (laughs) I would have (laughs) been so down with that
1: (laughs) oh yeah oh man yeah little Caitlin little yummy, just really weird brains
0: (laughs) (laughs) just writing little stories and then how what do you have any I don't necessarily love this question, so feel free to skip it. Like, I don't love answering it, but some people are very passionate about their influences. Do you have influences growing up that you were just, felt like blazed some sort of trail for you or, or lit something up in you?
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely. There, I mean, I know in terms of influences, there are, I was like a voracious young adult reader growing up and I read like older stuff too, but I really was really into the like YA category. Um, And there was one book, uh by a woman named Lori Hulse Anderson called Winter Girls, which is about um girl struggling. It's like first person perspective of this girl struggling with an eating disorder, but she's also like kind of having like a psychotic breakdown. And it's just the way that she formulated the language in that book. I always found I mean it's like I think I still have the copy of it somewhere. Um, and it is like underlined beyond like into oblivion. Um, and she definitely, that book specifically definitely influenced a lot of just stylistic choices that I continue to make to this day. Um, It had like a huge effect. And then there are loads of writers that I like, but when I think of one severe influence, it was definitely that book.
0: How have you dealt with, I guess, equalizing the stigma and Mm -hmm. separating that from what might've been like your own mental health, like issues and not attaching your your issues to like the shame
1: associated with mm-hmm. sex work does that make sense uh you mean like not conflating the like not or like kind of realizing what's mine and what's being taught yeah. to me yeah exactly. uh, yeah definitely um i think that has i mean that has less to do with sex work and just sexuality uh in general um like the shame around it <laughs> i just uh I would, I would get into these like spirals of feeling like a bad person. Like I'm, I'm so dirty and gross and like kind of what helped me is, was like returning to like, like meditating on like my child space um, and trying to remember like my views on sexuality before I was like ingesting or like, you know, especially like when I got to high school, it got super, super toxic and just, you know, to high school's a fucking toxic place. Um, And just recognizing that like, I didn't, I didn't invent the things that I'm saying about myself and something my mom said to me once um, when I was freaking out, I think about this this girl that I was talking about earlier who's stopping my friend. Um, I was, just, I was so depressed and I was like, maybe I'm bad. Like maybe there, maybe, you know, maybe everyone else is right. And I'm just shit. And my mom asked me like, would you ever judge a person for doing the things that you've done? and this wasn't just about sex work, it was, you know, about, you know, struggling with addiction and all these things. She was like, is that something that you would look down on another person for? And I was like, no, of course not. She's like, so why are you doing it to you? And it was such a, like, it's so simple, but it was such a mind-blowing revelation for me to realize that I was allowing other people to, like, impose regulations on me that I didn't even abide by in, like, every other aspect of my life, being like, oh, like, you know, I think that yeah, I, I feel like I just, oh, I realized that I was allowing, uh, like, the rest of the world a lot more grace, like, even making up excuses for the people who were being, like, cruel to me, <laughs> being like, well, you know, they're going through this and this, and I was like, if you can do that for them, like, you have to find a way to do it for yourself, um, and that that's kind of the main thing, I think, that has gotten me anywhere close, to, or I i don't even want to say closer to sanity, I want to just say further from the deep end, <laughs> it was just, like, that um, that conversation specifically, was good
0: (laughs) I love that and that's also something that when I started doing AA my sponsor encouraged me to look at things from that perspective Mm. um because yeah I think that was a hard thing for me to untangle especially when I wanted to stop doing sex work and I was like am I not do I not want to do this because I'm ashamed of it or is it because and I felt like I was growing into like this other person but I was like but I don't but I realized, like, I can like enjoy the idea of something. I'm also mm. not an astronaut. I'm also not. A- <laughs> <laughs> I can't have every job I want. Mm. Um. So yeah, I love that your mom told you that too, and that uh, that is sort of leading into my next question. At mm. what point did you decide to sort of come out of the
1: closet as a sex worker? Uh it was like a very it was a very slow and steady um process. I came out to my parents by force because I got arrested when I was seventeen and they called my parents. So that was like, all right, cats out of the bag. Um and they were surprisingly, not surprisingly now, because my parents are great people, but then were very, very like cool about it. Not in like a yeah, go do it, but just in a not like you're ruining your fucking life and all Like they were that I never got that from my parents. Um it's just like, you know, it's very, um I was very, very blessed in that regard. Uh And then with other people, I mean, I think it was like, you know, it, it was like starting that I would tell close friends um after I had like a really negative experience where like people found out that I didn't intend to tell that I was living with and they like threw me out of the house. And I was like, okay. This is not this this whole big secret thing is not working out for me. um i would I would prefer to know if that's going to be a reaction before I move in with you, you know, um And so then when I got when I was in London, I was like, I think I mentioned to you maybe that I was in this really like toxic freaking controlling abusive relationship, and I ran to Paris. That's how I got to Paris. And when I got there, I was kind of, just exhausted by the idea of trying to fit in somebody else's like mm, ability to accept and love me. Like I had been like kind of like slicing off my ankles, to, like fit into shoes that this guy had been giving me. And I was just like, this isn't going to work anymore. Um, and so I kind of went a little bit like aggressively. Like I was just like, this is going to be the first thing that comes, not the first thing, but it was like, really, I was just, this is what, this is what it is. Um, uh, which I think I overcorrected, <laughs> there, you know, like not everybody needs to know my business. Um, but it was like a really useful stepping stone, I think, um, after coming from a place of such secrecy and feeling like I was living this double life to then being like completely open. And now I'm pretty much hovering in the middle where I'm not ever hiding it. Um, but I do kind of vibe check a person before I like, just volunteer information about myself they say what do you do and i'm like mm, that would be like i'm a writer if they're cool i'll be like i'm a writer and escort and they're like oh okay cool you know um but that's just like i mean that's a safety thing i was being pretty naive to be like oh i can just go around telling everybody that i do a controversial job like like being right. like, I don't know. yeah that wasn't that wasn't the smartest luckily nothing like bad ever came of it um but yeah
0: i had to sort of learn that um even just more recently, because I used to not talk about it at all. I was mm. very, um, I just, it was very much under wraps. And mm. then I sort of went through a period where it had been a while since I'd done it. And there was a guy that I was seeing earlier this year that he used mm. to make fun of me. And I used to make fun of him for, I was like, you bring up playing football in high school every conversation we <laughs> have. And he's like, will you bring up being a fucking sex worker? <laughs> and I was like, you got me there. <laughs> we both have like our one fucking claim to being interesting.
1: You know? <laughs> uh, you've got way more than that, man. but I, I do understand what you mean.
0: <laughs> yeah, because I think there is a way, especially with men and the way I'm related, I'm learning to sort of renegotiate my relationships there is a tendency for me to kind of put that first, both because I'm like, I don't want to be with someone for a while and then find out that that's something that they're not okay with. Mm-hmm. And then also it does help me put a distance. I think on a more subconscious level, it helps yeah. me be like, this is some like I have, it communicates. And I think my process is like, it communicates my ability to separate sex from love and that Ooh. I'm not necessarily going to fall in love with them just because we're intimate
1: that that's really interesting I never like thought of it in that way but that's a really really interesting um observation like holy shit <laughs> I'm like that's, wait like, is that what I'm shack. doing <laughs> 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 um yeah I mean I definitely feel like the there is something like I don't know know if we, if we're doing the exact same thing, nobody's ever doing the exact same thing. Um, But I do feel like sometimes I kind of wear my profession as an armor against like people, Um, not necessarily saying that I, it's almost like kind of tricking my brain a little bit in the sense that I'm like, Oh, I am so detached. Like I can be so detached and I can, and it's like, no, I can't, I'm not that type of person. I am like super poly and like all these things, but I am, a wildly emotional little creature you know it's not like you know i care about my clients i care about i care about everything i care about everything way too much um and so like i do feel like communicating that up front is sort of me being like ah look at me i'm the big tough sex worker girl <laughs> i don't i don't care it's just yep. so not not true <laughs> totally
0: uh so how has i i'll try to just ask a couple more questions because i want to keep it at like a somewhat reasonable time mm-hmm. But how, I don't know if I want to go into this or not, but I'll ask it and we can talk about it and I can always cut it out. How Mm -hmm. has it affected your relationships in general? Is relationships something you want and feel like has been like, and I say this as there, I feel like I'm part of this camp of like, I'm 36. I have other friends that are 36. Some of them have really weird lives and weird careers. And one of them literally lives in Peru half the year every year because she's like been in shaman training for ten years, you know. And amazing. <laughs> he like wants to have a child, but it's like hard for her to have a relationship, obviously. And I'm mm-hmm. like, it's hard for me to be your friend, but also like if you feel any better. I don't have those restrictions on my life, and I'm also still single. <laughs> <you know? laughs> But oh, yeah. one of the things that I think has sort of driven a wedge between maybe me and like having some of those relationships. that's so funny. She's calling me right now. Um, Speak it in. Yeah. Um, But I do feel like that has, and maybe this is my own prejudice about it and maybe how I feel about myself, but I, it is something that it's a little, it's harder to have a relationship because a lot of men would mm. feel threatened by it, obviously for obvious yeah. reasons. So how has that affected, like, your desires in life for that?
1: I mean, I am, like, an, like, inextinguishably inextinguishably optimistic person in the sense that I'm like, I will find a person who can deal with this, you know, Um, and that, I mean, I'm very into, like, non-traditional relationship structures. So in that sense, um, I don't really worry about the future, probably because I'm not there yet. Um, But... it, it, I mean, it is like, I mean, jealousy is like a shithole to navigate anyway. I think the fact that I date Polly, um, kind of helps in the sense that I'm like, I would already be sleeping with other people. It's just now my rent is paid. (laughs) Like, you know, so that, that, but like, I have had, like, had to navigate like super jealous partners and, you know, people who wanted me to quit and then like me not wanting to quit or me quitting and then feeling miserable. And then, you know, there, there's, it's, hard (laughs) it's been like difficult um but i've also had really beautiful um relationships with people who did not feel like at all threatened and who kind of were aware of you know every human being's agency over their own life and then you know being in a relationship does not mean that i own you uh those people are rare (laughs) they're not they're not everywhere they don't just you don't just meet them on a street corner um but that was not a hooker joke, by the way. That was. A, like, you know, <laughs> I was gonna <in> <laughs> I realize. I realize in context it might have sounded like that, Um, but no. It was I a mean, great hooker joke, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> <gotta be real. laughs> uh, But yeah, I don't know. I mean, relationships are, are are complicated for a lot of reasons, but not definitely. I don't. I don't know. Sex work hasn't made them so complicated that I want to not do it. <laughs> if that makes sense.
0: I love that answer. I. Would I need to if you can airdrop me some of that optimism, i be great. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I wanna believe it, but I'm also like, fuck man. But I think it's also easy to like blame whatever it is that we feel is like maybe uh has to do with our wounding on like why mm-hmm. we're single or why certain things mm-hmm. in our life haven't worked out. So yeah, I love that separation, especially like the poly thing is a whole different conversation. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I don't even want to open that because that's like jealousy. It's a giant can of worms. (laughs) Oh my God, it's such a giant can of worms. And I don't even know if I can handle it emotionally. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because this podcast is hardcore healing. The last question I do want to ask is how has your, whether it's within the context of your job or not, or writing or whatever it is, what has... Your, I don't know, I hate the term healing journey, but what has your healing journey been? How do you feel like you've healed over the years, either through your work or through art? And how do you feel like right now you continue to heal or bring healing to other people?
1: Hmm. I, I, I think, um, sorry, I'm just, I'm just chewing on that. Take your time.
0: I'll edit all the long pauses. <laughs> It'll sound like you just had this right off the
1: bat. <laughs> oh, this <was> profound thought. <laughs> um, no, I mean, I think the the main thing that has um, gotten me anywhere in in the process of healing, which is like an ongoing thing, like, even though like the term healing is so hard for me because I feel like it's you know it's like a fractal. You know, it's like there's always more shit. You know, um, and I think just like in the past 10 years, I would say, because I think I started about 10 years ago um, and probably depression a little bit before that um, started having depression a bit before that. It's just that I used to really be, um, have this almost like Catholic sense of guilt. Like, like I had to punish myself. So it's like, be that like self harm or drug abuse or whatever, you know, hanging out with people who were fucking awful to me. Um, just feeling like that there was something that I needed to be bad, like that made, I needed to be punished for. Um, and I, in the last couple of years, um, I think I've started to recognize that I've never, you know, it's like working with kids. You realize like you're not going to scream at them into like correct behavior. Just You're just going to make them more scared. You know, with the dog, it's the same thing. And with us, it's the same thing. Um, and just recognizing that I need to, Really maintain a sense of patience with myself um, and and empathy as well. Just being like, girl, you are not perfect, and it's not going to happen. If that's what we're aiming for, it's then we're uh, then we should quit now. You know, um, just recognizing that there is like so much potential for evolution and I like grow in ways that I don't even notice at the time. Um, but looking back, I see, and I'm just like, Oh wow, that's fucking awesome. Like I don't do that thing anymore. And <laughs> remember when I did that thing all the time, like, it's just like, remember I tried to kill myself every other, every other week. Oh, we're not doing that anymore. That's awesome. You know? Um, and just finding ways to like be proud of like the little things that are being accomplished instead of focusing on all of the ways where I, that I'm not where I want to be. Um, has been like the most revolutionary <laughs> thing for my uh brainscape. Um and it's not like something that is, you know, a 24-7 thing that's happening, you know, but it's getting a lot more frequent. And I'm super grateful for that. Um yeah. Just like being friendly to myself. kind of nice.
0: That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> I so do you have like a toolbox, for instance, like I just think it's amazing when anyone can evolve to the point with a relationship with themselves, like you have, or like the confidence in themselves without, like, I have so many crutches. I have a therapist, I meditate, I done yoga for 15 years, I journal every day. Do you like what are your tools that you kind of use as a foundation?
1: Uh, my, I mean, honestly, my main tools are my are my parents in different different ways. Like, I call them for different reasons. My mom and I are super super close, and she knows everything about my life pretty much. Um, and my dad and I are also very close, but he's like the person I call for like structured advice. <laughs> my mom is just the person I call to be like, please see me in all my humanhood, <laughs> like, you know, and 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 to feel seen in that way. Um, so there, I mean, I I could not do anything um, that I do without them. Um, and then journaling helps a lot. Meditating helps. Um, and also, uh, just like pausing to recognize, um, and I don't, I mean, I don't know in depth, like your relationship with like substances and stuff. Um, but like, I was having like a lot of relapses for a long time and like really frustrated that I couldn't like seem to get there. Um, and recognizing, uh, there's uh like recognizing in the moment that like no matter how far down a path i'm getting you know even if i'm 5 days into a binge like i can just stop like i can i can stop doing the thing at that moment and like if it means like chaining myself to my bed that's what it takes you know um but recognizing that and, like as long as i'm still here um it's not like too late for me to be doing something else um that's kind of like my main thing is just being like, is there something right now that I'm doing that I need to stop, uh, that needs to just sh- shut it down? Um, I'd say those are the three or four things. I don't know how many things I said um, that are like the most useful to me right now. Oh, also touching my dog.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, without my cat, I would be an absolute train wreck. But it's Absolutely. funny that you said parents, because I was like, oh, yeah, that's what I'm missing. <laughs> <laughs> So I have all these other tools, um, which, you know, my dad is like, I have a relationship with my dad now, but there was none for a long time. And my mom passed away before any of the, I probably wouldn't be able to speak to any of this, honestly. Um, although I have had dreams with my mom where she's like told me explicitly that she approved of me doing that kind of work, which so sweet. That's so I know, <laughs> which I think that's a really tough corner for a lot of people that, um, have done sex work is like a lot of the times there's this idea that you can't be honest about it or talk to your family about it. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that was definitely how I felt. And that changed my whole ability to really like show up as myself for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I don't have these conversations with my family. I genuinely don't. I don't think any of my family listens to my podcast either. So, (laughs) uh, but also it is something that I want to just feel like there's just one less thing I have to keep track of that. I'm not talking about so that I'm not, it's just so much easier to like show up as my full self. If I'm like, oh yeah, this is something I did. And I don't, I feel good about it. I feel great about it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think absolutely. it's great that you have parents that are supportive. I think that's really like unique and special and speaks a lot to how you can sort of be living your truth and living who you are, whatever that means. So we got to wrap it up. But for your writing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: where can people find your writing?
1: That's a full question. I don't know why. Okay.
0: <laughs> where can people
1: find your writing? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I had a little micro memoir come out with Querencia, Querencia, I can never pronounce the name of my publisher. It's Currencia Press. It's all in the link in my Instagram bio. I also have like a Substack that I update sporadically, which talks about sex work, mental health, spirituality, all that stuff. Uh, poetry, sometimes there, sometimes at dream boy book club, and then a lot of shit on my Instagram as well on the internet is where you can find myself
0: <laughs> internet and i will link your instagram in the show notes and do you have any uh final words oh what's uh is there any good music that you're listening to right now i have a lot of
1: musician followers oh i just uh discovered by uh somebody's tinder profile a band called bar italia italia bar italia and I'm vibing with them right now. I also just discovered Interpol, which I know is very, very late. But I like them a lot, too. Uh, yeah, that's where right. I'm at right now.
0: <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, next week, doo dolls. <laughs> <laughs> We're doing it. Oh, yeah. well thank you so much i have like a million more questions but i also feel like i want to leave some space for you know future visits and also people to contact you directly if they found something interesting i definitely got a lot out of this and um i hope you can come back soon and otherwise we'll chat
1: yeah definitely i'm super such a positive experience and always happy always happy to talk to you or if anyone wants to talk on um, dms are open it's like and not a uh, there's you got the idea that i did finger guns right there
0: <laughs> yeah for the listener at home uh finger guns were pointed at you oh <laughs> the dms are open
1: yeah for you know respectful questions <laughs> Oh